welcome to the Strand Baptist Church podcast. For more information on Strand Baptist Church and our ministries, please visit our website at www.strandbaptist.org.za. Good morning, Strand Baptist family. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I want to take you to a passage in Matthew chapter 10. And the focus of our message this morning will be, do not fear. In Matthew chapter 10 verse 26 we read the following. Matthew chapter 10 verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we ask for the aid of your Holy Spirit as we seek to understand your word so that we might apply it to our lives and so bring glory to your name. Lord, we confess this morning that we are fearful people, that there is a lot in this world and in this life that scares us. And yet we find in this passage and in so many others, we are instructed not to fear. Help us then to understand this command and to understand the motivation behind it. And so change our hearts, we pray, Lord, that we would not fear that the only fear we would have is to fear you. Amen. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Franklin D. Roosevelt uttered those famous words during his inaugural address in 1933. As inspirational as those words may sound, our reality is very different. We fear a lot of things. Now, where does fear come from? Fear is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. When Adam confessed to God, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. As we read through the rest of Genesis, we find numerous examples of people who struggled with fear. Those examples are not limited to Genesis, however, nor are they limited to Scripture. Everyone who lives and breathes has experienced fear of some kind. What causes fear? Interestingly, the Bible sometimes commands us to fear. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, we are commanded to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. Proverbs 9, verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here, fear, it seems, is a positive thing. But in other passages, we are told not to fear. For example, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6 offers us this encouragement. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And of course, in the passage we just read, Matthew chapter 10, on three separate occasions, we are told not to fear. Verse 26, have no fear of them. Verse 28, do not fear. Verse 31, fear not. So which is it? 
Should we or should we not fear? The Bible describes different kinds of fear. There's a fear that's not sinful, but is actually just part of being a finite, fallible human being. We, we have an example of this in Psalm 9 verse 20 when the psalmist says, Put them in fear, O Lord, let the nations know that they are but men. This kind of fear is sometimes called prudence. In Proverbs 22 verse 3, we are told the prudent sees danger and hides himself. People who have no sense of danger or no fear often do foolish things. There's nothing sinful, for example, about a fear of heights. When I was younger, I often went climbing with my friends. And people assumed that we did not have a fear of heights, but I actually do. I would explain that I have a healthy fear of heights, which keeps me from doing foolish things 50 meters above the ground. The important thing is not to be mastered by that fear. There is another fear which is also not sinful, the fear of the Lord. When God reveals himself, reverence, awe, and yes, even fear is the only sensible response. When God revealed himself to Israel at Mount Sinai, we are told all the people in the camp trembled. Exodus 19 verse 16. And when the sons of Sceva tried to cast out evil spirits in the name of Jesus while not believing in Jesus, they were overpowered and soundly beaten. News traveled fast. And we are then told, fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Acts 19 verse 17. Psalm 33 verse 8 declares, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. You see, fear is not the main issue. Our trouble is not that we fear, but rather that we fear the wrong things. Now, what should we fear? Well, take a moment to appreciate what is happening in Matthew chapter 10. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus calls the twelve, that's verse 1 to 4, and then He commissions them, He sends them out. This is the charge that He gave them. Listen to this, verse 7 to verse 8 of this chapter. Proclaiming as you do, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. They've seen Jesus do these things, but they haven't done them. They've seen Jesus cleanse lepers, chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, and heal the sick, chapter 8, verse 5 to 17. They saw Jesus calm a storm in chapter 8, cast out demons in chapter 9, raise a girl from the dead, restore sight to the blind, and even restore speech to a man who was mute, all in chapter 9. And then Jesus tells them, at the end of chapter 9, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 to verse 38. And you can almost imagine the disciples nodding in solemn agreement, committing to pray for it every Tuesday. And then Jesus says, Now go. Can you imagine what was going on in their minds? Jesus knew which is why it gives them such thorough instruction on what to do and what to expect. After telling them what to pack, Jesus tells them that they will not be accepted everywhere and not everyone will listen to their words, verse 14. Now look at verse 16. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Not the most comforting thought. And then Jesus says, verse 17, Beware of men. 
Why? Well, he continues, For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Verse 17 verse 18. In the following verses, Jesus explains that gospel obedience may cost them their families and their lives. Verse 21. It will bring persecution. Verse 23. And reproach. Verse 25. If the disciples weren't nervous before, they were now. So how does Jesus comfort them? How does He encourage them? Look at verse 26. Listen to His words. So have no fear of them. Go down to verse 28. Do not fear. Verse 31. Fear not. Why? Do not fear the wrong things. Fear God. You see, the fear of God is the fear that drives out every other fear. So let's look at that in this passage. And we'll see three reasons why we should fear God and not men. Three reasons why we should fear God and not men. And it starts off in verse 26 and 27 with this. Fear God and not men. Because God will defend you. God will defend you. We are often more afraid of people than we are of God. Proverbs 29 verse 25 warns us, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. The fear of man manifests in different ways. Um, Have you ever struggled with peer pressure? Are you a people pleaser? Do you feel like you need the approval or respect of others? Are you scared that you will be exposed or humiliated? Do you get embarrassed easily? Do you compare yourself with other people? These are all ways in which the fear of man can overpower and control us. Before we know it, we are making decisions based on what other people think, like, or prefer, all in an attempt to get them to like us. Gospel faithfulness often leads to conflict, with other people. In verse 25, Jesus describes it like this. Look at the verse. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is saying that the world tried to cancel him by calling him a devil. They tried to discredit Jesus by misrepresenting him. If they did that to our Lord, They will do that to us as well. Now we are presented with a choice. Who will we fear? Jesus tells his disciples, verse 26, So have no fear of them. Do not fear their disapproval. Do not fear their name calling, their fault finding or their false accusations. Why not? Well, in verse 26 and 27, Jesus reminds them and us that God is for us. God is for us. In the words of Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Note how Jesus comforts them. Back to verse 28. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Now, what does this mean? Our innocence and sincerity may be questioned by those who reject the gospel, but we will be vindicated. 
As Paul reminded the Corinthian believers, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5. Do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. In the words of Psalm 37 verse 6, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. These false accusations prove the authenticity of our faith. And they won't last. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So instead of fearing men, fear God who has promised to vindicate you, who has promised to defend you. So if we should not be fearing men, what should we be doing? Well, look at verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. During his earthly ministry, Jesus preferred to keep a low profile. He would often minister in remote villages, perform miracles in private. He even swore people to secrecy. But now he instructs his disciples to go public and to go big. Be brave, be fearless, he says in the proclamation of the gospel. Listen to how Matthew Henry paraphrased Jesus' words. He writes, Whatever hazard you, hazards you run, go on with your work, publishing and proclaiming the everlasting gospel to all the world. That is your business. Mind that. The design of the enemy is not merely to destroy you, but to suppress that. And therefore, whatever be the consequence, publish that. Our job is not to be popular, but to be faithful. Our charge is not to seek the approval of men, but the approval of God. Therefore, fear God and not men, because God will defend you. That's the first reason. Second reason why you should fear God and not men is because God will judge you. Verse 28 and verse 33. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is a very strange comfort. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. They can only kill you. They can only touch your body. They cannot touch your soul. Who will you fear? You see, Jesus is forcing the issue. He wants his disciples to understand what is at stake. Those who fear men fear those who can only kill the body. This is such a radical perspective. We object by saying, we could be killed. Jesus responds by saying, don't be afraid. You can only be killed. And they will try to kill you. They will try to kill the body. Didn't Jesus say that earlier in the same chapter, verse 21? Brother will del deliver brother over to death. And a father is child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. This is not... This is how they responded to Jesus' preaching, by the way. They murdered Him. And this is how the world will respond to our preaching as well. 
So why should we not fear them? Because they can only kill the body. But God can destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse 28. These words are only a comfort if you have Jesus Christ's perspective on life and eternity. Eternal life is far more important than this temporary transient life. The eternal destiny of the soul is far more important than what happens to our mortal bodies here on earth. The penalty for sin is far worse than what people could do to us. Listen to Jesus' words in verse 33. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That is why, that is who we should fear. Not the displeasure of man, but the wrath of God. So many people live in fear because they do not fear God. They do not have this eternal perspective on their lives. We suffer from social anxiety and we withdraw from others. We have a fear of missing out and being left behind. So we live in bondage to our phones and social media. We devote hours to exercise and diet and a healthy lifestyle, all in the hopes that it will keep death at bay. The pandemic has brought to the surface what so many have kept hidden. We fear death. And very often because we love this life more than we love God. Now, I'm not advocating for foolishness. The Bible commends prudence and wisdom when faced with danger. But the Lord does not want His children to live in fear. And the only way to drive out that fear is by fearing God more. More than death. More than persecution or an execution. And yes, even more than a plague. Take time to reflect on who God is. Think about what He has done, what He has promised to do. Meditate on passages like Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over. What about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 to 29? Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For God is a consuming fire. We could avoid the trouble of persecution by denying Jesus before men. But the consequences will be far worse than the persecution we tried to avoid. One day we will stand before the Lord and we will have to give an account. Fear God, not men. They may kill the body, but God can destroy both body and soul in hell. The third reason why we should fear God and not men is because God cares for you. Suddenly we move from this fright frightful God who is a consuming fire to this benevolent God who is compassionate and kind and it's the same God by the way it's it's not as if we move between two different characters and God is not schizophrenic moving between two different personalities he's great and glorious and awesome but he's also kind and compassionate and caring all at the same time look at verse 29 look at verse 29 it reads Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, 
And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. A family of sparrows recently moved into our roof. They found a gap between one of the trusses and proceeded to build their nest. Now, I tried to stop them. I took out the half-completed nest. I covered up the hole with some wired mesh. And I was convinced that the problem was solved. Only later did I discover that the sparrows were so small they could fit through the wire mesh. And by the time I realized it, they had already laid their eggs in a perfectly little perfectly built little nest so I just let them be until the eggs hatched and the chicks grew up and they and they moved out sparrows are tiny and they're numerous how much is a sparrow worth well the sparrow was considered one of the smallest creatures and was not worth much the penny that Jesus described was a Roman copper coin and it was only about one sixteenth of a denarius which was a day's wage now think about this. Sparrows were worth so little that you had to take two of them for the smallest Roman coin. And you could buy 32 of them for a single day's work. And yet we are told God cares for them. How? I love the way Jesus phrased it in the parallel account in Luke chapter 12 verse 6. There Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God. Not one of them is forgotten before God. God cares for them. He remembers them. He, he notices them. We often wonder whether God has forgotten about us. If He does not forget the sparrow, He will most certainly not forget you. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus adds, Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. This means that God's providence rules even over the death of a single sparrow. Now, what does this mean for us? This is what it means. Sparrows are of very little value. Nevertheless, God concerns Himself so much with their existence that not one ever dies apart from His will. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, God will much more concern Himself with you so that nothing befalls you apart from His gracious will. It reminds me of the words of Henry Martin, missionary to India, who said, I am immortal until God's, for, God's work for me is done. Or put differently, I am immortal until God's work for me to do is done. The Lord reigns, he adds. If God is sovereign over the death of a sparrow, He is most certainly sovereign over the death of His saints. He will not call you home until your work is done. So do not hesitate to do it. To drive the point home, Jesus uses another illustration in verse 30. And He says, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. The average head has about 140,000 hairs. I don't know who took the time to count them, but someone did. Now, I know some hairs have more and some heads have, some heads have more and some heads have less. But here's the point. God knows the numbers, number of hairs on your head. He is intimately acquainted with the most mundane, the most trivial details 
of your life. He notices. We often don't notice when someone gets a haircut. I, I, it's happened to me so often, and maybe it's happened to you, where I remark on someone's haircut and I compliment them and say, oh, did you have your haircut? And they would say something like, yes, a month ago or a week ago. And a lot of time passed and I just did not notice. And, and that can be perceived as being uncaring or unkind. But God says, Jesus says, God counts the, the number of hairs on our head. He notices. He cares that much about even the smallest detail. When we care for someone, we notice things. We're attentive to them. And God says, I know the number of hairs on your head. That's the kind of intimate care that he extends to his children. So why would we be afraid? Why would we be afraid? Taken together, we see this glorious picture that we should fear God and not men because, well, firstly, God will defend us. He will vindicate us. And secondly, we should fear God and not men because one day we will have to give an account before God. God will judge us, not men. And finally, God's the one who cares for us. And so again, in the words of Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 6, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So let's make it personal. How do we apply that? Well, firstly, taking the context of this passage in, in mind, keeping it in mind, we should not be scared to do what God has called us to do. And particularly, to share the gospel, to preach the good news. And when you think about it in the Christian life, this is probably one of the things that scares us the most. Years ago, we had a fear factor challenge at a youth group at our church. And I remember all of the different events, all of the different tests that you had to go through. And all of them were pretty scary. We climbed the church tower and we had to jump off of a high ladder and a whole range of other things. But one of the things we had to do was to stand up and speak before people. There were kids who were willing to climb the church tower and eat the weirdest things, but they absolutely refused to speak before, before people. One of the most terrifying things to a sinful human being is to share the gospel with other sinners. And why is that? It's because we fear men and not God. And so taking the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the context of the passage into account, we should never be afraid to do what God has called us to do. People may reject you. They may not want to listen to you. They may malign you and mock you. Don't let that deter you. They may threaten you. And yes, maybe not in South Africa, but in other parts of the world, we don't know what the future holds. Maybe one day in South Africa. But even if it should cost us our life, even under the threat of violence, let us not hesitate to share the good news with a dying world. Because it is their only hope, even as it is our only hope. 
And if we love the Lord, we love to see Him glorified in the salvation of sinners. We want to have them join us in worshiping the Lord and bringing Him glory and honor. Therefore, do not fear them. Love them. And the only thing that will free you from fear so that you can love them is by fearing God more. Not only that, not only in the proclamation of the gospel, but there are many other commands, many other things that God requires of us. And we often neglect those things because we're scared of what people might say or might do. We don't want to use our gifts and talents to serve God's church because we're scared we'll be rejected. We don't want to get up and sing or play a musical instrument or serve in some capacity because we're scared people will laugh, comment on it, malign it. We should never be scared to do what God has called us to do. Standing up for what is right, preaching and proclaiming the gospel, using our gifts to serve other people, being a blessing to them, even when it's not popular. Fear God, not men. But I want to give a final application that I do think does justice to the text and is also very relevant right now. People are living in absolute terror of the coronavirus. And because of that, we find that a lot of people have become callous, cold, unfeeling, uncompassionate. God does not want His children to live in fear of a virus. He does not want His children to live even in fear of death. Jesus Christ died to deliver you from that fear. I'm not advocating that you should be foolish. Take the necessary precautions and do what you can. But beyond that, don't hesitate to magnify God in loving and serving other people. Don't hesitate to contact, pray for, and encourage your fellow believers. And don't be scared of death. Believe it or not, as Jesus explains in this passage, there are things worse than dying. Being denied by the Lord Jesus Christ before His heavenly Father. That's far worse. If you love the Lord, if you've repented of your sins and you've trusted in Him for your salvation, if you've received that forgiveness and the gift of eternal life, if you have that confirmed in your soul through the testimony of the Holy Spirit, don't fear death. Don't fear death. And don't let the fear of death keep you, keep you from a life lived to the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you and again just ask for the aid of your Holy Spirit that we would believe these words, that we would be free from fear, 
Not because there aren't scary things in the world. There are. But because we fear you more. May you be a bigger, a greater, a more glorious reality to us than any threat or danger that this world can throw at us. And may we be faithful. Faithful in glorifying you. Faithful in sharing the gospel. Faithful in having compassion and being kind to our fellow human beings. Regardless of the cost. Because we fear you and not men. This we pray in the name of our Savior, who did not fear men, only his heavenly Father, and who died out of love and compassion for a lost world. For his glory. Amen.